Uh, we're continuing this morning in uh, chapter 11. Did I teach this class last week? Okay. Uh, abuses of the Lord's Supper uh, in chapter 11, verses 17 through 22. Uh, we just got uh, through uh, some of the abuses Paul talked about. And this morning we're supposed to begin with verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Uh, the, the gospel, uh, as it is given, was given by the Lord Jesus. We know that in Matthew 28, 18. He made it crystal clear that all power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him. So he's the one that is uh, the author of uh, the New Testament scriptures. With a little uh, investigation, we'll probably find out that he's also the author of the Old Testament scriptures. But that's a story for another time. Jesus would give it to the Holy Spirit. He made that point clear in John 16, verses 13 through 15. The Spirit, when he delivered revelation to the apostles, would not uh, speak of himself. But that which he heard, he would speak through the apostles. So it would be from Jesus to the Holy Spirit, and then it would go to the apostles. In this case, it was Paul, and then Paul delivered it, of course, to the Corinthians. Uh, his point being, uh, I told you the same words that I received. He uh, touched on that back in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, when he said they received not thoughts, not uh, ideas, they received word for word what they were to record from the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the Bible is a word for word transmission, and some versions are word for word translations. This is one of the reasons why they're so, uh, they try so hard to make it a word for word translation, and believe me, that is hard to do because language changes so much uh, over time. But uh, you take uh, the King James Bible, the American Standard Version Bible, the English Standard Version, uh, and there's probably a few others. Uh, using the original manuscript, not the original, using manuscripts from the second and third century, uh, they have uh, copied as best they can. You can't do it exactly, but as best they can, they've copied word for word uh, those uh, uh, Greek words. Um, the problem with a lot of new versions today is they're not word-for-word -word translations. It's somebody's idea. A lot of times uh, I'll write stuff up on the screen and it won't be a word-for-word -word translation. It's, it's my paraphrase of the word-for-word -word translation. Okay? Now I've got nothing against that because I do it also. Uh, but if you're going to call it uh, the teachings of Jesus Christ, it ought to be his teachings. And if it's going to be a paraphrased version of Jesus' teachings, it ought to be noted as a paraphrase. Because the thing about human authors, and we all know this, is we can be wrong. What we say as a paraphrase may not coincide with the original text. Uh, but a lot of the versions now, they're not uh, word for word translations. They claim to be, uh, but they're not. They, uh, they're paraphrases of the original. So Paul said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. 
So it's the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, then the Paul and the other apostles, and then the Corinthians, uh, word for word, that which they were to put on paper. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now we know this is the exact order of what he did. Uh, we know it was uh, the Passover, for example. And since the Jews weren't allowed to have any leavening in the house, any leavening in their bread, we know by implication it was unleavened bread. Okay, there shouldn't be a real question over that. What Jesus used was unleavened bread. Does that mean we have to use unleavened bread? I don't know. Maybe not. But I believe that when there's a possibility of being wrong, like there would be in a case like that, I believe we ought to do exactly what the scriptures say. Jesus used unleavened bread. We use unleavened bread. Okay? You can't be wrong that way. You might be wrong the other way. Why take a chance? You know, why, why snub the scriptures, what they reveal to us, and, and, and take a chance on something that you cannot be certain of? I just don't see that that's good reasoning. But that's the reasoning of some. Some people use all kinds of breads, uh, leavened breads. Um, some even replace the bread with uh, meats. And uh, some, I've known of some that replace the fruit of the vine with Coca-Cola or some other soft drink, uh, because it doesn't matter, people say. Well, I beg to differ with them on that. I think it does matter. And when he had given thanks, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke his bread, okay? What did he do? Well, the leavened bread he picked up, the unleavened bread, rather, that he picked up uh, was, you know, it's flat bread, because it doesn't rise without the leavening in it. So he picked up the bread, it was cooked bread, and he took the bread and he probably broke him off a piece for himself. And then he passed the rest around the apostles. He may have broke it in half and passed it two ways to go all the way around the table. Uh, he kept some for himself, obviously, because he said he did eat the bread. But he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it. That's the order that the Lord um, observed this uh, commemoration in. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. A couple words that stand out there, the body, uh, is it the actual body of the Lord Jesus? No, it's not. Uh, he never wanted, insisted that anybody be a cannibal. Uh, if his disciples uh, ate his body, uh, they would be guilty of cannibalism, which of course would be a crime. Uh, against God. Uh, and again, if they were eating this bread, which he just passed to them, how could it be his body? He was still in his body. It doesn't make any sense, does it? The bread obviously has to represent something. And in this case, of course, he told us what it was, and that is his body. This body represent, this bread rather, represents the Lord's body. Uh, Catholicism teaches that when the priest uh, prays over the fruit of the vine and the bread, that they actually turn into the literal blood, the literal body of the Lord Jesus. They call that teaching transubstantiation. It's, uh, it's when the bread and the, 
the wine actually turn into body and blood. That's not true. Uh, I don't know that anybody really believes that. I don't know if the priests believe it or not, but that's what they teach and that's how they practice it. But uh, it's certainly not the literal body and blood of our Lord. Then do this in remembrance of me. We, we remember uh, everything, I guess, about him that we know, we, especially his life, uh, his death, his resurrection. These are the things that uh, always come to my mind. Uh, I think sometimes about things he said, the seven sayings he, he uttered when he was hanging on the cross. Um, but we're supposed to focus on uh, Jesus and what he's done for our sakes as we partake of this memorial with him each first day of the week. In the same manner, just as he did the bread, he's going to follow the same manner with the cup. He took the cup after supper. It wasn't a meal. Okay, meal was passed. They didn't eat the Passover meal. Now, this is something different from a meal. Okay, and it's important that Paul points this out because the Corinthians were making a meal out of it. And no, it was after the meal was over, then he ate the supper. The meal was insignificant. It was simply the Passover meal. It had nothing to do with anything other than the Passover. He took the cup after supper saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. It was with the blood that he established his new covenant, uh, the New Testament, and of course, that which came along. Uh, which was a remission of sins purchased by his blood. So the cup that we drink uh, is a representation of the new covenant that was paid for by the blood of Christ. Now this do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Now, some, uh, I've talked with some who believed uh, uh, as often as you do it, well, if, if this is true, they'll say, uh, then why not do it every day? Well, the reason is nobody told us to. The only thing we have to go on is the example we find in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, where Paul uh, waited to meet with the disciples uh, on the first day of the week and break bread, or in that case, to eat the Lord's Supper. Well, why didn't he do it on the other days during the week? Why didn't he do it on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Why did he wait all the way till Sunday and then meet with the church and break bread? He was in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. If I'd have been him, I'd have called him in, broke bread with him on Tuesday, and then got on a boat and headed for uh, Palestine but he didn't do that he waited until Sunday because that was the time I would reckon that he was uh, to meet with the apostles or the disciples rather and it was the time that all the apostles also uh, followed in addition to that we're taught in 1st Corinthians 16 and verse 2 that when they come together on the first day of the week, one of the things they were to do was to give of their means. So supposed to make an offering on the first day of the week. Well, why would they come together? It was, of course, to eat the Lord's Supper. And while they were gathered together, it was a convenient time for them to give of their means 
to the work of the Lord. Uh, a lot of uh, folks uh, contend over this. Uh, a lot of people have changed it. Many, there are churches of Christ today. Uh, that, well, most of them down in Texas and Louisiana and over in Oklahoma. But uh, they meet um, on Saturday night before midnight. If it was after midnight, it would be all right. But they do it before midnight, usually so they can go honking-tonking. They get in, they'll gather about 6 o'clock in the evening, and they'll, they'll worship according to the way they want to worship. And then when they get out, they got all Saturday night to go out and do what they want to do. And then they got all day Sunday to go to the lake and go water skiing. You don't have the, a, a church service at 11 o'clock messing up your whole day. So um, that's become uh, fairly common in churches of Christ. But uh, again, I don't believe that's a wise thing to do. I don't think that's what the Lord would have us to do. The inspired examples we've got, which is one of the ways the Lord teaches us, is by approved, inspired examples. Now, all three of them words are very important. We have some examples that are not approved. Judas went out and hung himself. Well, I know he went out and hung himself, but that doesn't give me license to do it just because he was an apostle. He did the wrong thing. So it was an approved example. Then there are other examples in the New Testament uh, by men, uh, Simon the sorcerer, remember? When he was going around uh, pretending to be uh, uh, like Paul, he said, I preach the Jesus that Paul preaches. Uh, we have an example of him, but what about him? He's not an inspired person. It has to be a, an approved, inspired example. And then if it is, then the Lord is teaching us something. That's one of the ways in which he teaches us. There are so many ways the Lord teaches us in the New Testament, many we don't even think about. I could think of about 12, 13. I think I've taught in class on this before uh, here. Uh, but there are a lot of ways that uh, the New Testament teaches us the will of God. And uh, we have to use all of them. We have to be, uh, we have to understand these various ways that were taught uh, by God. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Every person that takes the Lord's Supper is preaching a sermon. Uh, Jesus lived, he died, and he was raised from the dead. You proclaim the Lord's death whenever you eat the Lord's Supper. It's very important, it's very solemn, it's dealing with the death of Christ, so it's a very solemn thing we engage in, and it's something uh, I believe we have enough instruction to enable us to know exactly how we're supposed to carry it out. Any questions? They, yeah. Uh, we're not told in the Bible, they say, when to take the Lord's Supper, only that we're supposed to do it. That's not correct, you know, because the Bible does teach by approved, inspired example, and that they deny, but uh, they're wrong. I've, I've had to deal with that, I don't know how many times through the years, uh, 
I usually deal with preachers since I quit working. But uh, uh, the there's no logic, okay? There's no logic. It's it's what it's will worship is what it boils down to. It's just what people want to do, which is what most all uh, false beliefs are. Uh, is simply will worship. It's like even our brethren who uh, meet on Saturday night. Why? They want Sunday off. They want to go to the lake. So they don't, uh, they have it on Saturday night, get that out of the way, and they got Sunday free. But isn't Sunday the first day of the week? Yeah. Yeah. It's always been the first day of the week. The Sabbath, the Jews, of course, you know, they used to worship on Saturday. They worship on the Sabbath day, which is the seventh day of the week. <clears throat> uh, the New Testament, there was a change made where we worship on the first day of the week. But uh, the Jews used to work Monday through, no, Sunday through Friday, and then they were off Saturday at, or Friday at sundown till sunup Sunday morning. doesn't matter it's just a, a story they'll say it's just something that's written it doesn't have anything to do with anything they don't believe in uh, inspired proved examples uh, basically and a lot of people are this way uh, it has to be an explicit statement thou shalt or thou shalt not and if it's not an explicit statement it's not binding uh, a lot of people think that way Show me in the Bible where it says you can't use marijuana. You ever heard that one? That's what they're looking for is an explicit statement. There isn't an explicit statement. There are implications. There are principles involved, but there's no explicit statement. Uh, there's no explicit statement about using cocaine or uh, uh, fentanyl illegally or, or whatever. There's just no such thing. But <clears throat> we're taught nonetheless <clears throat> by um, implication and uh, principles. There are many principles involved. Uh, well, it's not just drunkenness. You know, drunkenness is a sin. And, uh, you know, getting high on drugs is a form of drunkenness. It's a, I don't think, again, I've, I've tried to explain this a, a number of times, uh, and it didn't do any good, I don't think. I don't think anybody ever agreed with it. They just uh, show me where it says you can't do that. And it's not there. It just isn't there. A lot of things aren't in there if you stop and think about it. There's a lot of things in there. Uh, well, I don't want to get into that now. But uh, people, uh, people we, all, we all do what we want to do. I'm here because this is where I want to be. I became a Christian. I was baptized, become a Christian, and I was added to the church of Christ by my choice. I chose to do that. That's what I wanted to do. I've always done what I wanted to do when I was a sinner. I was doing what I wanted to do. 
And then when I realized uh, my error, uh, I did what I wanted to do again, and I became a Christian. Yeah, Bert? Well, in, in a sense, you can because I want to go by the blueprint. See, I'm still doing what I want to do. In everything we do, we, we do by choice. Okay, I, I want to go by the word-for-word -word transmission of the New Testament scriptures. Well, sometimes I use the Greek text. But uh, that's what I want to do. I believe that's the only way to do it rightly. Uh, I want to go to heaven. Okay. Uh, that's all. That's what it's all about. It's about what we desire. That's what Jesus was talking about in John uh, seven seventeen. Uh, if any man wills to do his will, he shall know the doctrine. What if any man has the will to know the divine will? That man shall know the doctrine. First, there has to be the will. The will has to be involved. Uh, if I don't want to live. Uh, if I don't want to be uh, truly converted to Jesus, 100% of me, I won't. Because if I don't want to give myself 100% to him, there's something he wants me to do that I don't want to do. Again, we come back into what I want. I don't want to do this, therefore I'm not going to do it. I know a preacher one time, he uh, went through preacher school, uh, became a preacher, preached for a number of years, and, uh, oh, gee, I forgot why, but for some reason, uh, he gave up preaching. It probably had something to do with this, but uh, come to find out that when he was converted as a teenager, uh, he was smoking pot, and he liked pot a lot. And he continued to smoke pot. He smoked pot as he went through preaching school. He, he became a preacher, and he still smoked pot. And it may have been he got caught or something. I don't know. But uh, I, was, uh, I was young in Christ back in those days. And uh, I, I didn't understand how uh, this man, and he was very knowledgeable. I couldn't understand how a man who was so knowledgeable of the scriptures uh, would smoke pot. And I, it took me a long time after before I ever figured it out. You know why? He wanted to. And that's what he did. He didn't want to stop. He wanted the connection to Christ. He wanted eternal life. He wanted to be forgiven of sin, but he did not want to stop smoking pot. So he kept on smoking pot. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Throughout the scriptures, this is woven in and out of the scriptures, is that we have to give ourselves to him from the inside out, okay? You go through the motions, you know, do the stuff church people do. You can do that. You can fake everybody out, but you can't fake out the Lord. There's two that knows what we're doing. I know what I'm doing. The Lord knows what I'm doing. I might fake you out. But I can't fake out me and I can't fake out them, him. It's a, it's, a, it's a very, very personal matter that each of us has to deal with. Why do I do what I do? Is it because 
I am so grateful what the Lord did for me? Well, first question will be, do I truly believe what the scriptures teach, that we were lost sinners uh, standing in condemnation of the devil's hell? Do I really believe that? Number two, uh, do I really believe Jesus died on the cross to take away the sins of mankind? You know, that's hard. that's a hard thing to digest when you don't know anything about Christ. Did God really turn himself into a man and walk among men and allow men to crucify him? Did God really allow that to happen because he loved the world so much he didn't want anybody to perish, but he wanted to give us an avenue of escape? Is that really, really true? Can I really believe that? And if I do believe it, do I appreciate it? Because if I do, then in all probability, I'm going to love what God has done for me. And it's not just a matter of being converted. It's about, I want to please him. I want to make him happy. He becomes my all in all. Without him, I was lost. My BR would be lost. My children would be lost. My grandchildren might be lost. There's so much tied into him. Uh, how could I do anything less than but give him my whole self? But we have to deal with that on a personal level because nobody knows except me and God. So we have to look at ourselves occasionally and see why we do or don't do the things that we do and make sure that Christ is our motive. Remember what Jesus wrote to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. He said, bingo, baby. You hit every nail on the head. You've done everything I would want you to do. But there's one problem. You don't love me. Why did they do it? Because they were church people, and that's what church people do. They liked doing it. That was what they're supposed to do. But they weren't doing it because of their love for Christ. That had fallen by the wayside somewhere. Now they were doing it because that's, I guess, what you're supposed to do. And they kept doing it. Over and over, time and time again, he's talked to us about the importance of love, that we are to love him. In uh, Matthew 22, 37 to 39, the first great commandment, love God with all your heart. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. I remember one time, uh, Joe Loftus was with us back then, and uh, I, uh, I made a statement that if a person could master those two commands, uh, that's the person that's going to go to heaven. And Joe was playing golf with a deacon from another congregation somewhere, and uh, he alluded to that statement I made, and that deacon said, well, that's not really true. You know, you, you have to be baptized. <laughs> you have to be baptized. If I love the Lord with all my heart and he wants me to be baptized, I'm going to be baptized. That's a no-brainer. If we truly give ourselves to the Lord, whatever he wants me to do, I'm going to do it. Why? I love him. That's why we had Christmas in my house on Christmas, and we always bought Christmas presents for our children. Why? We wanted them to be happy. And we spent too much money on Christmas.
because we like to watch them tear those little packages open and smile real big. That's what you do when you love. You give. If you're a true lover, you're a true giver. One follows the other, just as sure as night follows day. Any more questions? Got to watch. I get carried away sometimes. Right. Right. Yeah, he wasn't talking about literal blood in, in, in the body. He was talking about a representation of his blood and body, a spiritual consumption of his blood and body. It's not, we couldn't actually take it as literal blood and body without committing sin. Cannibalism is a sin. We're not supposed to do that. Uh, and if we ate his real body and blood, truly his body and blood, we would be guilty of cannibalism. And uh, that's a that's a no-no. That's a no-no. Any other thing, questions? I better go on before I get hung up here all day. Therefore, based on what I've just said, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. I used to think that the meaning of this was if you eat the Lord's Supper uh, and you've got sin against you, uh, that would be the unworthy manner. And that troubled me so much because uh, I knew and understood uh, the fact that we do commit sins that we're not aware of sometimes. Uh, and we don't repent because we don't know we're supposed to repent. Nevertheless, we committed the sin. Um, and I worried that uh, if I eat the Lord's Supper, am I doing it in an unworthy manner? Well, I grew up, I learned a little bit more that uh, the ignorant sin is removed by the blood of Christ, 1 John 1 and 7. And then the, the mean, the, you have to come down to what is the meaning of it. Well, what has Paul just been talking about? They've been abusing the Lord's Supper. They've been taking of it in the wrong manner. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do that. Personally, I think that if you use uh, uh, Coca-Cola and uh, a Snickers bar, I think that would be eating the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. I believe the prescription's in. We're supposed to use the fruit of the vine and the unleavened bread. And therefore, to use uh, other as substitute, I believe, would be in an unworthy manner. To make a meal out of the Lord's Supper would be taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Paul was crystal clear that after Jesus finished eating supper with his apostles, then he instituted the memorial. Uh, the memorial is just that it's a memorial it's not the nourishment for the body uh, I think uh, an unworthy manner is simply handling the the Lord's Supper in an improper or perhaps irreverent manner uh, I don't if a person knew they were guilty of sin of course they're already guilty of sin so they already have a problem before they ever decide to eat the Lord's Supper but uh, that would be uh, stating an obvious fact. Uh, I think it has to do with what these folks have been doing, to continue eating the supper in, a, in the wrong manner uh, would be uh, 
wrong in and of itself. Uh, guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Uh, there are a number of ways we can be guilty of doing that. In Hebrews 6 and verse 6, the author said, uh, those who had been sinning uh, were crucifying again for themselves the Son of God and putting him to an open shame. Uh, they, uh, they had failed to grow as they were supposed to grow. Uh, they had to be taught the, the, the ABCs of New Testament Christianity all over again. They, they, they failed to grow spiritually. And what were they doing? What is Paul saying they were doing? They were crucifying Jesus all over again. And they were putting him to shame before the whole world. The public could see them. The public knew they were hypocrites. The public knew they weren't doing the things that Christian people are supposed to do. And they were bringing reproach on Christ's name. It's, uh, it's something that a person can be guilty of. If a person was guilty of sin and knowingly ate the Lord's Supper, that would be putting Christ to, a, to an open shame as well, crucifying him over. Uh, it's a denial of Christ. That's what happened when he was crucified the first time. They denied him and they put him to death. If I am guilty of sin and aware of it and I eat the Lord's Supper, well, of course I'm guilty of crucifying the Son of God afresh and putting him to an open shame because I'm engaging in a most holy activity that only holy people are supposed to partake of. Now, when I say holy, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about perfect. I never talk about perfect because there's none of us perfect, so we can put that to bed. Uh, I'm talking about knowingly rejecting what the Lord has told us to do or not do. When we do that, we put him to an open shame. And when we eat the Lord's Supper, yes, I believe we're guilty of crucifying the Son of God afresh because that's a rejection of Christ. And that's what happened when he was crucified originally. Uh, sometimes there's a little confusion. Uh, I know I was afraid to eat the Lord's Supper. That's why I bring this up when I talk about it. I was afraid to eat the Lord's Supper because I was an unworthy person in my own mind. If we are <clears throat> forgiven people then we're not guilty of anything if we're forgiven people. And that's what we need to make sure of. I'm forgiven. I know the Lord doesn't hold anything against me because I know me. And if I'm guilty of a sin, I know I'm guilty of a sin. Whether I want to admit it or not, I still know it. This thing up here knows it. And so does God. So we seek forgiveness and we eat the Lord's Supper with clean hands. Not perfect, but clean. And that's the best you and I can do in this world. Next world, it'd be different. But in this world, we still got to wrestle our way out of it. 
But let a man, well, here you go. <laughs> let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Make sure your house is in order before you partake of this most holy memorial. There's no memorial in history more holy than this memorial because it involves the body and blood of the Son of God. That was never done before, never. Only cows and bulls and such things. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, what does he do? He's eating and drinking judgment to himself because he's not discerning the Lord's body. He's not thinking on that which is most holy. He's not looking at it as being most holy. Therefore, the judgment of God is on him because God knows what he's doing. For this reason, oh, we can't get into this. This is too hard. Uh, well, let's, look, let's just read it for a second. I think, okay, there you go. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Is this to be taken literally or figuratively? Frankly, I don't know. It could be either way. I tend to think it's figurative. But I know by God's word that a lot of times this actually happened literally. So I don't believe it's within my purview to say definitively that it's figurative because if the Lord wants to execute such judgment today, he can do it. He's God. He's done it before and he could do it again. And that's not to say he does it every time, but he may do it on occasion. We'll, uh, we'll think more on this uh, this week and hopefully next Sunday. Uh, think on it, though. You know God. You know how God deals with humanity. Uh, think on this. See what you come up with. You can't be wrong on this one, <laughs> in my eyes at least.